Welcome to OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers, episode 18. This episode is coming to you from Barcelona, Spain, where I just got back from the Neutron meetup at Rocco de Vila restaurant. I have an exclusive announcement for OVS Orbit listeners. We decided that we're going to incubate a new project within OpenStack, the OpenStack Joke Generation Project. We're going to use continuous joke integration and delivery to ensure that only the highest quality OpenStack jokes reach our audience. We're going to analyze all of the OpenStack IRC logs for LOL and ROTFL to figure out the best jokes. We're going to analyze all of the audio from OpenStack talks for laughs, and we're going to figure out what it is that makes the best OpenStack jokes, and we're going to generate more like it. You can expect to hear all about the OpenStack joke generation project in the keynotes for the next OpenStack Summit in Boston. So when you see it, remember, you heard it here first. Maybe you've heard of big data. Well, big laughter's gonna be even bigger and even laughier. And if we can get enough corporate sponsors, we may be even able to build an OpenStack laughter robot that goes from conference to conference, standing up in front of a microphone and delivering one-liners, one after another. On to the interview. Oh wait, with all my jokes, I forgot to tell you what the interview is actually about. So this talk is a reenactment of a talk that Russell and I gave along with Justin Pettit at the OpenStack conference. It's about OVN and what's new in the newest release of OpenStack. I hope you enjoy it. here with Russell Bryant from Red Hat, and today we're going to be discussing OVN, uh, based on a talk that we gave at OpenStack Barcelona yesterday. We're, we're still in Barcelona, and if you want the full talk, you can always go to the OpenStack website. The video for it there should be posted, and we'll make the, the slides available on the OpenVSwitch website. But our talk today, you shouldn't need the slides. We'll try to uh, give you uh, all the uh, information in the soundtrack here. Russell, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? My name is Russell Bryant. I work for Red Hat. I've been there for a bit over five years, and uh, largely that's all been uh, working on OpenStack in one way or another. In the last couple of years, I've been doing work in the, in the networking space, which led to contributing to OVN, as well as the OpenStack integration for OVN. And uh, you've been a, a really valuable contributor. Uh, we're, uh, I think you were probably the, the person to uh, get nominated as a OBS committer uh, the, the fastest. Uh. Well, well, thanks a lot. I'm, I'm happy I've been able to contribute, but it goes both ways. Um, OpenVSwitch has been likely the, the most pleasant community to join. Uh, well, I've been very welcoming and a very uh, friendly and educational experience as well for me. Well, thank you very much. We try hard, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's that it's working. You started out the talk at, at OpenStack by mentioning that we base the OVN design on uh, on a number of, of principles, and that was one of my favorite parts of the talk, where we, we talk about not just what we did, but why, and the sort of the basic ideas that, that we had behind the design. So do you want to describe what those principles were again and how they influenced the project? For sure, yeah. Another way that I... Uh, think about this as themes of the project in a sense, and, um, and and there's some key areas, and these come up quite frequently in our conversation. So it's it's a nice thing to recap. And the first one is performance, and performance, you know, it comes in different areas, but this has been a you know a core focus from the beginning. And one thing that's been really nice for me is is working with you guys as experts of Open vSwitch and knowing all of the learning from lots of good experience 
of the best ways to get performance out of out of Open vSwitch. We definitely know where all the bodies are buried. Yes, exactly. But we've, you know, I think it, it, OVN sets a really good example on how to do things well at Open vSwitch. But another really nice thing is uh, when you've been able to see a way to uh, come up with new ways to implement a feature for OVN that required new features of Open vSwitch. Um, that you know, you've been able to go do that too, and that's that's helped us gain even better performance. Well, that, I, I like to point out to people though that. We've tried to make sure that we're not adding things to Open vSwitch that are only useful for OVN. We've been trying to make sure that they're they're all sure. very general purpose. Yeah, general purpose things, but it's uh, it's making Open vSwitch more more capable. Yeah, uh, platform to definitely. Another one is scalability. Uh, scalability is is you know of critical interest in the OpenStack community. Um, there's lots of very large operators of clouds in the OpenStack community that want to push OpenStack to a level that it can't go today. That's common uh, conversation. Of course, OVN is not specific to OpenStack. Um, one of the key things for OpenStack is, is addressing other other cases as well, such as say container orchestration and and scale is also critically important. There, we're starting to talk about much higher density of containers on a host and, and a higher frequency of um, of creation and destruction. And so we've been uh, taking a close look at uh, scalability and scale testing. It's never really been clear to me what OpenStack people mean when they say scalability, though. Do they mean hundreds of uh, hypervisors, thousands of hypervisors, or more? Sure. I think that the comfortable spot for OpenStack today, if you're not going off and, and customizing things heavily, is in the hundreds of hypervisors range. Um, when people go bigger than that, they start having to do... Uh, you'd say it's multiple OpenStack regions, and that that's multiple OpenStack clouds deployed in parallel. Perhaps they share some services, such as the identity portion, but... Largely, they're independent clouds, but people want to do thousands of hypervisors, and that becomes difficult. Yeah, I, I definitely feel comfortable saying that all OVN should work with hundreds of hypervisors. I don't think we have enough real production experience to say thousands. I mean, in simulation, it goes to thousands, but it's really hard to extrapolate. Yeah, but I'd say that we have that in target, and we're trying to make sure that we're starting from base architecture that extends to that. Right, we're trying to make sure that the architecture makes sense at those scales. Yeah. Uh, another one, simplicity. This kind of shows itself in different ways. Part of it is uh, the components required. You know, OVN comes with Open vSwitch, doesn't introduce new dependencies. So in some sense, it's simple for deployers in terms of all the things they have to worry about in deploying their cloud and, and additional software required. I think the, the design and understanding the flow of information through the system is, is simple. And hopefully that will come through as we talk about other things. That actually is, I, I don't know, I might even put that up the list higher than, than some of the others because I have a really hard time keeping complex designs in my mind. When there's a simple design, it, it just makes everything so much easier. So a lot of OVN was inspired by the systems that we built at Nasira uh, that preceded it. And those were more complex, and so t to me, I really like OVN because we managed to throw away some of the bits that, that made those systems more complex. Another one's reliability. Obviously, everyone cares about reliability, but it's you know, of course, been a top of top of mind from the beginning. And and for me, when I think about that for OVN, it's um, I'm think I think about the control plane, uh, the database-driven control plane uh, is a little bit easier to reason about and to understand clearly what's going to happen in the case of a failure and. Uh, and, and, and resynchronizing with the database, I think that we have a pretty straightforward way of how things um, recover after a failure. As opposed to some other systems, I think it's much more complicated to figure out all the different ways it can fail and how it recovers. I like that too. And the last one is um, visibility. So this is a common theme, I think, through 
the networking ecosystem is um, as we as networking becomes more advanced and we move into virtual networking and SDN, how can we help people better understand and get visibility into what's happening in the network? And uh, that's there's just, there's just a ton of demand for improvements there. So we've done a lot of thinking about how we can provide tools for OVN to better understand how the network behaves. Okay, so those are sort of the five principles that we that we talked about uh, in the talk. But I don't think we've done a good job yet of actually defining what OVN is. Do you want to take a stab at that, and maybe we can uh, discuss a little bit as you go? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's virtual networking for Open vSwitch. I think you know Open vSwitch did a, um, has done an amazing job maturing as as a project uh, for what it for what it did, and this is sort of one layer up the stack. Uh, perhaps the uh, I don't know if it's the most common use case for 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 OBS, but certainly one of them, and being rebuilt in lots of different ways in other projects. And I think it just made a lot of sense for the OBS project to take that next step and help provide solution for that use case. It was something that I was pretty eager to do because I had sort of sat on the sidelines uh, watching Nasera and, and VMware build these network virtualization systems and building the base layer for it. And uh, I, it always seemed like the, the obvious next thing to, to, to try to do it ourselves. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think it's working well. Another thing about it, you know, it's not just about the technology. I think an important part of any open project is understanding uh, not just uh, not just the, the technology, but the community side of it. Uh, a recent change that's uh, important for OVN is the OBS project moving to the Linux Foundation. It's now a Linux Foundation collaborative project. I think a lot of people will be, you know, happy to understand that as they they look at this as sort of a multi-company effort. I feel like it gives us uh, another level of credibility. Yeah, for sure. And just a quick note on sort of the, the state of it. You know, when you go to look at a new technology, you always want to know: is it is it brand new? Is it uh, is it something I can even test yet? Is it just an idea? Uh, the nice thing about uh, where we are today is we've hit probably uh, our biggest milestone yet. We've made our first release. So in Open vSwitch 2.6, we've made our that's includes our first release of OVN. Yay! And we had our first release party on Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah complete with drinks. And, uh, and and similar to that, we've been developing the, the integration with OpenStack in parallel with OVN. We made our first release of that integration with the OpenStack Newton release. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, some of the features that, that we have in OVN. And some of these have been there since the beginning. And, and some of these are, are ones that we're uh, just uh, introducing in this release. At its most basic, uh, OVN manages logical connectivity between virtual machines which means that you can take your virtual machines and regardless of where they're located in the physical network, you can network them together with logical switches. You can connect those logical switches to one another with, uh, with logical routers. And OVN allows you to uh, put in flexible security policies with ACLs. Those can either be stateless uh, so that they just look at the individual packets that flow through, or they can track the connection of states so that you get a distributed firewall. OVN supports logical routing. Uh, it can do uh, both IPv4 and IPv6 logical routing. The IPv6 routing is something we've wanted from the beginning, but it's actually implemented uh, for the first time in, in this release. And that routing is fully distributed. The packets don't have to be routed through some choke point in the middle if they're going uh, from one VM to another. OVN has uh, native support for network address translation, uh, mostly for the purpose of gateway to physical networks, and it has support for simple load balancing, and it can uh, uh, implement a DHCP for your VMs. It's multi-platform, uh, so that it works with Linux hypervisors, it works with DPDK on Linux, and it works uh, even with Hyper-V, although I'm, 
I'm, I'm not sure uh, whether that's been uh, tested uh, at this point because Hyper-V is, is pretty new even for OpenVSwitch. OVN has support for L2 gateways and for L3 gateways for connection to uh, physical networks. It can even use top-of-rack ASIC-based switches uh, using the so-called VTAP schema that uh, OpenVSwitch comes with. Finally, it's, it's designed to uh, integrate into uh, lots of other systems. We've already talked about how it integrates with OpenStack, but it can also work with Kubernetes, with Docker, with Mesos, and with Overt, uh, which I don't know much, uh, much about. Uh, what, what Can you remind me again, uh, Russell, what's Overt? Sure. So Overt's an open source project that does data center virtualization. Let's uh, um, talk uh, a little bit about the DHCP support in uh, OVN. For me, this is uh, one of the uh, exciting features, mostly from if we, if we jump back to the uh, principles angle that we talked about at the beginning of the talk. For me, this is all about simplicity. DHCP should be pretty simple. It's just a matter of your VM sending out a message saying, hey, what's my IP address, and some other stuff, and then a DHCP server saying back, oh, here's your IP address, and some other stuff. But in practice, it often seems to be a lot more difficult than that. With most networking solutions, you end up having to uh, run and maintain a, a central DHCP server, or, or maybe even one on each hypervisor, and in some cases, you even have to do it on a per-tenant basis instead of a uh, per-system basis. But OVN now has it built into its, uh, its controller that, that runs on uh, uh, each hypervisor so that you, you don't need anything additional. And it, it does a, a good job of ensuring that when your VM sends its request saying, you know, what's my IP address? It just sends it right back without coming back to the hypervisor. It has all the sorts of basic features that you'd expect, like you can configure any DHCP options that you like, and it even has support for basic IP address management so that you don't necessarily have to assign IP addresses yourself. It can do that automatically. I understand that isn't very useful in OpenStack because OpenStack assigns the IP addresses, but in other cases it might be useful. One of the things that's missing at the moment is that we, we don't have a built-in DNS server, which is uh, something that we're uh, working on uh, for the next release. That's the OVN uh, DHCP support. Yeah, one of the things I like about this is not just the fact that we can do DHCP, but we've, we've now proven out an architecture for how to provide additional services like this. And so now that we have this worked out, DNS, I think, is going to be uh, a much simpler thing to add. And I think we're going to have that in the near term. And it's also one of the things, it's a benefit of our distributed controller architecture, having a, a controller in each hypervisor. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of make me think of how we actually implemented the, the DHCP support. I'm actually really happy with that. The DHCP support fits really well in with uh, the, the way that we uh, did everything else in, in OVN. Um, it, it fits right into the, the structure of, of what we call uh, logical flows. And that actually brings me a bit to uh, the architecture of, of OVN and how it's, uh, how it's set up, which we haven't explained yet. Russell, do you want to uh, talk about that? Sure. The way I you know, think about it is I, I think from the top, there's an interface called the OVN Northbound Database. The Northbound Database presents a, a, a logical abstraction of networks or logical switches. So I'm, I'm not sure that you explained what, what feeds into the Northbound Database. Though. Sure. In the case of OpenStack, we have a plug-in uh, or a, a Neutron ML2 driver that, that programs this northbound database. And so as you, like, if you're using OpenStack, when you create network supports or, uh, and logical routers and security policies and all these things, what our plugin does is then 
configure those things in OVN's northbound database. Right, so whatever cloud management system you're using, it feeds into the northbound database, and then? Yes, and then we have a, a portion of the system that resides in the middle. It's called OVN NorthD, and it generates a much more detailed view of how the network should operate. That's where logical flows come in that you referred to. So OVN NorthD's job is to populate our southbound database. Our southbound database is what we use to distribute state throughout the entire environment. We have a local controller on every host called OVN Controller, and those are the clients of the southbound database. And then the controller on each host does the generation of physical flows that are specific to that host. One thing I like to point out when looking at this is that the breakdown of where processing happens in the system is very intentional. There's a couple of stages of processing where things that, are, that only need to be done once, processing that's common to the in entire environment, is done one time at the uh, central point. But all of the processing that's specific to each hypervisor, that's specific to the physical location of, um, of all the resources in the environment, is done once. Oh, it's done local to the host that it applies to on the uh, local controller. The question I get sometimes is, why do you have two databases? Why do you need a northbound and a southbound? And the answer I like the best there is that that northbound database is kind of acting as a substitute for an API in another system. That in most other systems, you have something that implements something like a REST API or a configuration API, uh, maybe some RPCs. But you can get most of the effect of that uh, sort of API by uh, simply having a database that describes the configuration. And then any database will have everything you need to be able to query and modify the configuration. And it can even be more flexible because databases have this built-in support for transactions. You can modify as much as the of the databases you want in a single transaction, whereas that could be pretty challenging in an API. For sure, and, and also it works really well since OVN's designed to be integrated into another system. Uh, a database is a pretty handy way to do that integration. Another thing is that if we decided that that our that public interface, we wanted to change it, we have a really clean break if we want to develop perhaps a new set of abstractions to expose and all of the arrests would be easily reusable. Yeah, that's the theory. Uh, now that we've uh, made the first release, we'll probably get the uh, the first real chance to test that theory uh, since now we're, uh, we're kind of on the hook to maintain backward compatibility. So uh, we've been talking about databases quite a bit already, and so that kind of raises the question of what database are you guys using and can we trust it? Sure, so the database that we're using is OBSDB server, and this comes with OBS, so if you're using OBS, you're already using it. So it's incredibly convenient uh, in that sense to use it. It also has a lot of really nice properties that we've been able to take advantage for OVN that have worked really well for us. But uh, this is also a new, a new way of using OBSDB server that, that's not quite the same as what's, how it's been used in the past. So we've also been looking at what, what things needed to be added to make this something that you can take to production. And one of those things is HA. And so one of the things that was added is you can now run OBSDB server in a primary and a backup mode. So you can have read-only replicas, and then you can use a, uh, an HA management tool like Pacemaker to manage the database and ensure that there's a, a master backup somewhere in your cluster. It's not really a, a modern way to build a system, so we, we're, we're still thinking about what can we do to make this something more that we're proud of. The sort of master and backup method It'll work, but it, it's not really the preferred way to build things these days. We've done quite a bit of research into the databases that are available, 
And when I started out, I, I kind of assumed that because there's this huge profusion of all these databases out there now, that we would look through, you know, 20 or 30 of them and we'd find four or five that were perfect candidates for OVN. But surprisingly, it, it didn't, didn't quite turn out that way. And uh, if you're really interested, then you can look through our discussions on the mailing list uh, where we sort of uh, um, came up with a, a whole bunch of checkboxes for, for databases. And the one that came closest to being right for OVS was uh, etcd, etcd, which is developed by, by CoreOS. So we're looking at uh, trying to figure out uh, whether we should migrate to uh, etcd version 3 for, say, the next release of OVN or, or the one after that in six months to a year. The other candidate is that uh, the only thing that's really missing from OVSDB itself, from an OVN perspective, is this clustering uh, sort of thing. So it's possible that we could add uh, raft-based clustering to OVSDB, and that, that's something that's uh, uh, under discussion uh, at the moment as well. So speaking of another thing we've worked on that's kind of with, with production usage in mind, so we've built OVN with our best guesses on, on, the, uh, on the way to design things for scale, and then you, you take it and, and do stress testing, and then you start finding where your bottlenecks are. One of the ones that we identified with scale testing with OpenStack led to a feature in OVN called Address Sense. So OpenStack implements security groups by creating OVN ACLs, and ACLs provide a way to define a very flexible match. So you could say matching on traffic that has the source and destination address uh, in, in some large set of addresses. And then if it matches this expression, then you're gonna maybe accept the traffic or drop it and so forth. As we scaled out OpenStack testing and, and testing OVN with networks that have thousands of ports on them, we'd have security policies that were matching on sets of uh, hundreds or even thousands of IP addresses and the processing required in our Neutron plugin to rebuild these security policies and update them in OVN got incredibly expensive. So we added a new feature to OVN to separate defining a set of addresses and defining the security policy that refers to that set of addresses. If you're familiar with IPSet and Linux, then this was effectively inspired by that. It's a, uh, an OVN-specific implementation of a very similar concept. But we did this in OVN and it eliminated that bottleneck for us. Okay, now we're going to talk about the feature that I really get excited about, which is a program that comes with this version of OVN called OVN Trace. And OVN Trace is what you can, it's a tool for understanding what OVN is doing. You can ask, use it to answer questions like, these packets are going through the system, what's happening to them? You can also use it to answer what-if games. What if I injected packets like this into the system, for example? What, what would happen to them? So OVN can answer all these kinds of questions. You invoke it with arguments that say the logical switch that uh, the packets are coming into and then some information about the packets, for example, L2 and, and L3 headers. And you can provide as, as many of the, the headers as, as you think are important for answering the question that, that you want answered. So what OVN Trace does is it, it goes to the southbound database and it fetches information about the logical structure of the system. It fetches the logical flows and the data paths, the contents of the address sets, uh, even the DHCP options that you, uh, uh, that you specified. And then it simulates the, the path of the, of the packets through the system as they, they jump from one table to another, from one logical switch to a logical router, and so on. And then it, it prints out everything that happened in uh, your requested level of detail. 
So you can tell it that you want to know basically everything that happened to the, pack, to the packet, every decision that was made about it, or you can tell it that you only want to know what sort of the, the final final thing that happened to the packet was. For example, that the TTL was decremented and it was uh, output to a particular VM. It's independent of the physical uh, layout of the network. It, it doesn't, in fact, even know what the physical layout of the network is. So as a side effect of that, you can even use this in an OVN network that isn't even running or perhaps doesn't even really exist. Maybe it's a hypothetical network you set up to uh, answer your own questions about how OVN works. And for developers, it can even provide references back to the source code that caused each of these decisions to be made. Furthermore, it's, it's set up so that, well, OVN has a, a bunch of these, I call them trivial tables and trivial decisions. Uh, that really aren't interesting and don't add anything to the discussion and would just uh, just distract you, it, it omits those automatically. If you're interested, then there's a couple of examples that I, that I go through in the uh, OpenStack Summit version of this talk. It, it would be really hard for me to uh, uh, actually read out those examples uh, um, to you in the podcast. I don't think that would uh, come across well. But if you go to OVN, if you go to the man page, it has examples. If you go to the talk, it has examples. And you might find those to be really handy. It, it can even go through uh, like... Uh, uh, DHCP request processing and, and, and show you what happens there since that's integrated into uh, uh, OVN. Alright, so we've talked a lot about where OVN is, why we've done it, current state of things. We've also got a lot of things coming up, current work, future work, and it continues to move quickly. On the OpenStack side, a lot of what we're doing is, again, kind of helping prepare this more and more for production usage, and that a lot of that comes down to our testing coverage. Uh, we've had good testing coverage for a while, so at OpenStack, the, the, the common CI jobs you would need to have or what we'd call a dev stack job that runs Tempest. So dev stack is the most common development environment used to spin up a, an open stack cloud on a VM or a small set of VMs for testing. And then Tempest is the, the common test suite used for open stack clouds. So we have CI jobs that run that. We're now evolving that setup to, to be multi-node based. So our setup so far have been single node. So what, what, what does that actually mean? What, what's a node in this case? A node is a VM. So in OpenStack CI, every job is a VM spawned in some public cloud around the world. And now you can define CI jobs that consist of multiple VMs. So, so. A, a single node job, you, you couldn't actually uh, implement a, a whole uh, OVN system in that, right? Uh, well, we do. It's just that we don't, uh, it's just, it'd be like a single hypervisor. Oh, OVN okay. System. And so okay. literally everything from OVN to all of the OpenStack services are all running all in the same VM. And that's how most testing has been done. Obviously, we're missing some important cases to make to, to test uh, traffic going between nodes. Like we, we, don't, we don't test tunneling at all right. in, that, in that sense. So how many nodes are, are practical? Like, can you do, I don't know, three or four? Or are we talking like uh, large sets? Well, most of the multi-node CI jobs, they're just two nodes. Like It's sort of like minimal getting a second node up. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any technical restriction for being able to do more than that. I'm just thinking of the existing jobs I know of. They're just okay. based on two nodes. Is it super important to make it really quick because it holds up check-ins? Is uh, that part of the yeah, reason? Yeah, so this is all done as a, as a part of the OpenStack development process. So anytime you submit a patch, CI runs and gives you early feedback. But also, once you approve a patch, all the tests have to run again and pass before the patch gets automatically merged. Oh, okay. And so, so, so everything has to run twice before you can get anything in. So yeah. it needs to be as fast it as It needs to be can. pretty fast. And, and these types of jobs, they do tend to take, and they could be 45 minutes to an hour. So just to give you an idea of the scale of the OpenStack CI system, and this drives the development across all of OpenStack, 
they're using easily 20 to 25,000 VMs a day on public clouds around the world. The, the keynote on, on Wednesday had a lot of information on how they, they do CI, and it sounded really impressive. Yeah, so you can imagine if, if you know that's the, the amount of resources used today to do this, if everyone took all of those jobs and used five VMs, then we would be running into some, some resource contention. Yeah, I could see that if you were using five times the resources you already are, that could easily overwhelm your system. Yeah, so I think going from from one VM to two gets us uh, a nice increase in coverage. It's certainly not your you know, production environment kind of testing, but it's it's a great start for the kind of thing that we're running like at least twice on every patch. So, you know, that this is actually something we've been having running throughout the OVN development process. We've actually found bugs in OVN itself throughout this because... Uh, at least this tends to catch it pretty quickly. That's the beauty of testing, it finds yeah, bugs. For sure. Uh, another one is upgrade CI. So another type of CI job running OpenStack is running upgrades of, of OpenStack and ensuring that the cloud still works. So spending up OpenStack, creating resources, doing an upgrade, and then making sure all those resources still operate as they as you'd expect. And now that we've done a release of OVN, we want to make sure that we're covering that upgrade path from the release we've done to whatever the current state is of OVN and That's have that sure. tested in CI. I keep wondering if we should try to do some upgrade tests in uh, OVS's own uh, CI. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not I'm not quite sure how that would that would work. But it seems important to at least think about it. Yeah, for sure, because uh, I think there will be you know some guidance from OVN from the OVN project of here are our expectations and around the upgrade process. So, yeah, we need to write an upgrade guide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one is uh, service function chaining. That's a sort of a hot discussion throughout the the OpenStack community. There's been work to integrate Neutron's SFC API. It's referred to as the networking SFC project. But there's been work to integrate that down all the way into OVN, and it seems like it's getting close to where we can start reviewing patches and and get that completed. There's a talk about uh, SFC and OVN at uh, OpenStack today, and we should probably link to that in the show notes. Sounds good. And then in general, you know, the, the work on the OpenStack side is continuing to keep up with OVN. We try to follow the project very closely and, and ensure that uh, things are exposed appropriately through OpenStack, does it make sense? Yeah, I was really impressed. So there was a, a meeting here at OpenStack yesterday uh, that was uh, uh, developers working on uh, networking OVN, and there must have been thirty people in the room. I are, did you did you know all those people? Did no, I did not know all those people. So, there was a good collection of people that are working on it. I think it's also a sign of interest. I think there was certainly part of the crowd was people that are very interested in knowing what's going on and are wanted to be fly, fly, flies on the wall. As wow, I've never been the cool kid before. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about uh, a few other uh, next steps for OVN. The one that I really want to see go in is uh, support for encrypted tunnels. So the, the idea there is that OVN uses tunnels to connect different hypervisors together. So for example, if a VM on hypervisor 1, or I, I think, does OpenStack call uh, hypervisors compute nodes? Is that Generally, that's the, okay. the terminology used. So if a, if a VM on hypervisor 1 needs to talk to uh, a VM on hypervisor or compute node 2, then it sends the data over a tunnel. And uh, up until now, uh, those tunnels have always been uh, in plain text. But it's not too hard, we think, to modify OVN so that it makes use of OVS's ability to do encrypted uh, tunnels with IPsec. So uh, we're, we're exploring that possibility. 
and uh, if we're lucky that'll be in the next release in about six months. Definitely there's a performance cost, but on the other hand, for some people, I, I bet it's worth it. So uh, I think we've uh, kind of uh, described uh, um, uh, OVN as much as we're uh, as much as we're planning to. So we should probably give uh, some some pointers to uh, to resources for uh, uh, for people to uh, uh, pursue if, if they're if they want more information. Sure. So one of the first things that's good to know is you know where does the work happen? How can you get involved? Open vSwitch and OVN are in the, the same Git repository, though OVN is intentionally kept uh, separate, it's, it's not intertwined, they just reside in the same Git repository, but it's the open vSwitch organization on GitHub and the OBS Git repository. That's where the code is. All of the discussion and development occurs on the OBS dev mailing list. If you go to openvswitch.org, you can find references to the mailing lists. Yeah, that mailing list can be uh, a little intense sometimes because it's uh, a fairly high, high volume list, but on the other hand, if uh, if you have questions and you can't find the answers in the documentation, then dev list or the discuss list are, are good places to get your answers. Yeah, and I, I've talked a lot about uh, OpenStack today. We have because that's the event we're at, and that's uh, the part that I've worked a lot on myself. But again, you know, it's not specific to OpenStack. Uh, another really uh, active development effort is the integration with Kubernetes, and that has its own Git repository that resides in the Open Switch. GitHub organization, it's OVN-Kubernetes. So if you're interested in Kubernetes, you should, you can go there to find the code and instructions on trying it out. And then there's, uh, of course, uh, uh, tons of uh, documentation in the source tree and uh, around the web you can find uh, uh, blogs. I, I recommend Russell's blog, uh, uh, which has uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, introductory material for, for OVN uh, over the last, uh, I don't know, year and a half. And if you're listening to this uh, right away, then uh, you might be interested in the uh, Open vSwitch Fall Conference, which is uh, November 7th and 8th uh, in uh, uh, San Jose, California. Uh, we're going to have a, a series of, I think, 24 talks. Maybe, it, maybe it's even more with the, uh, if you include the five-minute uh, uh, lightning talks, uh, and uh, up to 300 people who uh, are all interested in OVS, including uh, a lot of the developers. So uh, if you have a uh, burning interest in any particular topic, that is definitely the, uh, the best place to come and get some answers. And if you're catching the podcast uh, after that date, then hopefully we can have the, the, the resources from that conference published and you can go check out the videos of, of good talks. Yeah, that's right. We're going to uh, record all the talks and, and publish the video and uh, we'll, we'll probably get everybody's slides and, uh, and so on. Great. Well, thanks again for having me today, Ben. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Russell, for uh, uh, being on the podcast. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro music in this episode is Drive by Alex Barroza, the bumper is Yeah Ant by Speck, and the outro is Space Bazooka by Kirkoid. All of the music is also licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 Unported License. For more information about Open vSwitch and OVS Orbit, please visit openvswitch.org.